And I know that some of you might strongly disagree with me on this. I know that some people don't mind them. What? I'm sorry, what? But yeah, some people are just like, it's uncomfortable, but it's not like tensing up. And this is not so bad. I can tolerate this. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we are going to talk all about your don't, 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 cervix. <laughs> yeah, because your cervix is pretty essential to vaginal birth, it's how your baby comes into the world. More specifically, we'll be diving into cervical checks and membrane sweeps. You see, your cervix can often be used as an indicator of how prepped your body is for labor before labor even starts. And during labor, cervical checks help us know your progress. Today, you'll learn how they're done, how to handle them, and general pros and cons to cervical checks in pregnancy and labor. Then we'll talk about membrane sweeps, which also involve the cervix. You see, there are several different things you can do to help get the ball rolling when it comes to jumpstarting labor, and a membrane sweep is one of them. If a sweep is successful at inducing labor, you should go into labor within 48 hours of it being done. So what exactly is a membrane sweep? Here's a hint. It has nothing to do with actual broom sweeping. Ha ha. (laughs) Really doesn't. A membrane sweep is essentially a way to try and naturally induce labor. So keep listening to learn more. And after the episode, continue learning with episode 77, why it's important to prep your body for labor, aka get your cervix ready for birth, and check out episode 112, Chatting Prenatal Fitness with Ashley No of Get Mom Strong, where you'll get tips about how the right prenatal exercise will serve you during birth and beyond. But for now, let's get into this week's show. Are you guys ready to talk about cervical checks and membrane sweeps? Which one should I start with first? Uh, Probably cervical checks because a membrane sweep kind of happens after a cervical check, possibly. So let's dive into cervical check first. So what exactly is a cervical check? Let's just get our basics down. So a cervical check is a manual exam performed by your doctor or your midwife, and your provider uses their sterile gloved hand to insert two fingers through your vagina into your cervix. And once inside your cervix, the provider will assess how dilated, which means how open you are. And this is done by how far they can stretch their fingers apart, okay? There's no more than two fingers that ever go inside of you. I know sometimes it feels like there's more than two fingers, but really to tell if you are, let's say, six or seven centimeters dilated, all we're doing is putting our two fingers up there and just kind of seeing how far my fingers can stretch out. I have a really good post on Instagram. It was actually the very, very first post that I created when I changed my name to Mommy Labor Nurse. And if you want to hear that story, 
we can go down that road if you want to. <laughs> but anyways, that was my very first post when I changed my brand to Mommy Labor Nurse way back in the fall of 2018. I can link it on the show notes if you want to see it. It's basically a picture of me with my fingers and I'm showing you how wide open I need to stretch my fingers to make it four, six, eight, ten centimeters. Now, you might be wondering, what if I'm no centimeters dilated or I'm like one centimeter dilated? So your provider will still put two fingers inside your vagina to feel, but if you are closed, like you're no centimeters dilated, we're just kind of touching the top of your cervix and realizing, oh, we can't get any fingers in there. And same thing with one. If you're just one centimeter dilated, you know, I can't get two fingers in there. Along with assessing how wide open your cervix is dilated, we also assess the effacement, which basically means how thin your cervix is. So it's not just that it gets open, it actually thins out. This is a weird example, but do you remember in, gosh, like middle school, they had those pencil grips and they were kind of long and squishy and they had like a hole in the middle. That's kind of what your cervix looks like. And so it kind of thins out and it's actually about that length as well. It's about four centimeters long and it kind of thins out and it almost gets paper thin before baby comes through and is born. And just for your reference, dilation is always measured in centimeters with 10 centimeters being considered fully. Some people call it fully or completely dilated. How long does it take? It should be brief, okay? It shouldn't be like your provider's in there for more than like 10, 20 seconds. Sometimes it does take a little while to kind of get up to your cervix, especially if your cervix is pretty far back and pretty posterior, but it should not be minutes, you know, that your provider is up in there. Now, it might take a little bit longer depending on a few factors. Your provider's experience, okay? If your provider's new, a cervical exam might take a little bit longer if they just haven't done a whole lot of them before. It also might take longer, like I said, if the position of your cervix is more posterior, your provider kind of has to just go a little bit further and sometimes it's just a little bit harder to find. And then obviously, if you're having a lot of discomfort, a lot of people really, really can't tolerate them. And it's tough. I'm not saying that they are like, if you can't tolerate them, you're a wimp. No, cervical (laughs) checks are not fun. And it is tough, you know, if you're having a lot of discomfort to be able to get a really good check on you. So if you're 10 up and you're really, really uncomfortable, that can unfortunately lengthen the process. And just as a side note, your provider should always, always explain what they are doing prior to performing a cervical exam on you, okay? Including answering any questions that you might have. They also should get your verbal consent. So let's say that you consented to having a cervical check, but then you're having a little discomfort and you're like, no, 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 stop, stop. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want a cervical check. That is you clearly saying, no, please stop. And the cervical check should stop at that point. Your provider can't just say, no, it's okay. Let me just keep doing it. No, you say stop and your provider should stop. Are you in search of the perfect pump for your breastfeeding days? Proven to provide more milk in less time, the Motif Luna is a powerful breast pump that's built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. With a battery-powered or non-battery version, the Luna is perfect for today's busy mom. The Motif Luna breast pump is lightweight and sleek, quiet and customizable, so you can quickly find what works best for you and your baby. The Luna also features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shutoff. 
And the battery-powered model gives you even more freedom and flexibility with a rechargeable battery that lasts over two hours. But beyond the features and ease of use, the Luna works. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk and less time than the leading pump brands. As a pumping mama, I personally used and loved my Luda pump. The expression mode works to express milk as efficiently as possible, while the massage mode would stimulate my letdown by mimicking my baby's natural nursing pattern. Sophisticated, strong, and soothing, covered by insurance, get ready to make your pumping days easier with the motif Luna. To learn more about the Luna and order one for your breastfeeding and pumping journey, head on over to MotifMedical.com. And as a special offer for all MLN podcast listeners, you can get 15% off site-wide, including the Luna plus all supplies and accessories with the code MLN23. Some exclusions may apply. That's code MLN23 for 15% off site-wide at motifmedical.com. Fun fact, so your cervix, which connects your uterus, where baby's at, and your vagina is located about three to six inches inside your vagina, and it moves, actually. So sometimes it can be more posterior, like I was saying, kind of all the way at the back end of your vagina, and sometimes it can be a little bit more anterior towards the front part of your vagina, and it moves depending on where you are at in labor, and sometimes, depending on your anatomy, some people just have more posterior cervixes by nature, and some people just have more anterior cervixes by nature. And along with assessing your dilation and your effacement, your provider's also assessing your station, and that is basically where your baby's head is in relation to your pelvis. Okay, now for the question of the day. Are cervical checks painful? So that might depend on who you ask, obviously, and what your definition of painful is, but I would venture to say that nobody loves a cervical check. Even me, I remember getting cervical checks during both of my pregnancies, and they're not fun. But some women do tolerate them better than others. And I know that some of you might strongly disagree with me on this. I know that some people don't mind them. What? I'm sorry, what? But yeah, some people are just like, it's uncomfortable, but it's not like tensing up. And this is not so bad. I can tolerate this. Now, how do you make them a little bit less painful? We've established that cervical checks suck, okay? And of course, you always have the right to refuse them. But if you find yourself really, really struggling with cervical exams and you're consenting to it, you're like, I want one, just this is really hard, you might want to give a few of these little tricks a try. So first of all, wiggling your toes sounds really weird, but sometimes just wiggling your toes and getting a little distraction during a cervical check can really, really be enough to just distract you for a minute so your provider can get up there, check your cervix, and be done. Obviously, if you can stay relaxed, do some deep breathing while you're getting that cervical check and really allow your bottom and your pelvis to stay flat as possible on the bed, this can make the exam faster and a little bit easier for the provider. But obviously, it's your instinct to kind of tense up and jolt back. But if the more you can relax and kind of sink into the bed, the easier it is to do it and just get it over with. A few other things that might help are reminding yourself that it'll be over soon. It's really just super, super quick. 
keeping your bottom flat on the bed, taking slow, deep breaths, and keeping the lower half of your body relaxed and staying in position, okay? And when I say position, it's usually your provider will have you kind of butterfly your legs open, bring your feet together, and then kind of let your knees kind of flop open like a butterfly. Additionally, one thing that we do at the bedside that really can help, especially if you have a really, really extra posterior cervix, is your provider might ask you to make fists and put your fists kind of underneath your pelvis. And that kind of helps to tilt your pelvis a little bit and help your pelvis get in the right angle so your provider can get in and do that cervical check and get out. So we are going to talk about cervical checks in pregnancy. But before I do that, I do want to address the Bishop score. And a lot of people don't really know what that is. So it's pretty easy to understand. So let's go over it. In short, your Bishop score is how ready your cervix is for labor. It's a system used by your medical providers to determine a few things like how close you are to labor starting, the likelihood of having a successful vaginal delivery, and whether or not an induction is a good choice for you. Generally speaking, the higher that your Bishop score is, the more likely you will deliver vaginally. As with anything, though, there are exceptions to this rule. I've seen both sides. Some women that score really, really high and they end up having a C-section and some women that score really, really low and they have a short, quick and fast vaginal delivery. The system takes into consideration five components and assigns a number zero to three to each category based on your cervical check. So let's go over the categories. Number one is your dilation. So zero would be your closed. You're not dilated at all. If you get a one score, you're like one to two centimeters dilated. If you have a two score, you're like three to four centimeters dilated. And if you're anything past five centimeters dilated, you get a three. Next is your cervical position. Having a posterior cervix is a zero. Having kind of like midway is a one. And then if your cervix is anterior, you get a two. The next category is consistency. So your cervix can actually range from being super firm, almost like the tip of your nose, to really, really soft. Like if you take your cheek and you kind of push into your cheek, really, really soft like your cheek. So obviously, if you're firm, you get a zero. If you're like midway, you get a one. If you're really, really soft, you get a two. And then the next category is effacement. Okay, if you're not very effaced at all, like zero to 30% effaced, you get a zero. About 40 to 50%, you get a one. 60 to 70%, you get a two. And then if you're anything past 80% effaced, you get a three. And then the final category is station, which we've kind of touched on already. If your baby is a minus three station, which means your baby is about three centimeters above your pelvis. And if that's where your station is, you get a zero. If it's minus two, you get a one. If you are minus one or even zero, zero means your baby is in line with your pelvis, then you get a two. I know this is so confusing. <laughs> it's like so many numbers. But basically, if you think about it, like the higher your baby is, the lower score you get. So if your baby is like right in line with your pelvis or lower, then you get a higher score in that category on the Bishop score. And then there are actually a few other additional factors. You get an extra point for each previous vaginal delivery that you've had, and you lose a point if you've never had a vaginal delivery before. So with all that said, I know that you probably, maybe you're 39 weeks right now and you're listening to this episode and you're like, I just got a cervical check and they said I was closed, thick and high. Does that mean I'm going to have a C-section? No, 
This is something that is done during labor or kind of right before we need to induce someone. Okay, so I don't want you to get scared if you just got a cervical check and you were at your provider's office. We're not talking about cervical checks during pregnancy. This is strictly during labor. And then that brings me to cervical checks during pregnancy. Let's talk about that. So the first thing usually people ask is, are they even necessary? Do I even have to have a cervical check during my pregnancy? And the short answer is no, you don't actually need any routine cervical checks at the end of your pregnancy. Routine means that it's being performed with just the sole purpose of seeing if you are dilated or effaced or not. All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, hi, I watched your epidural labor class, even though I was hoping to go natural. However, because of your class, I was able to understand that I was having back labor and because of that, my contractions could be expected to be more intense. Since I was able to understand what was happening to my body, I felt empowered to ask for an epidural and was able to finally relax my body. After my epidural, I was able to take a nap, woohoo, during which my water broke and I was dilated to 10. So happy I went into my labor informed thanks to your class. Oh, so sweet. Awesome. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Now, if you are like me and you're just curious, then you might say, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. I want to see if I'm closed or if I'm one or if I'm thin or not thin. But if the thought of a cervical check makes you really, really anxious and uncomfortable, don't do them. Feel free to say, no thanks, I'm good. I'll just wait for labor to start. Let's dive a little bit further into this though. There are many, many reasons why routine cervical checks can make women really, really anxious. Aside from the discomfort, they can also be discouraging, okay? It's actually pretty common for a woman to not be dilated at all until 40, 41 weeks, especially if it's your first baby. And hearing this might kind of discourage you and get you a little bit in your head and make you feel as if your body is failing or this is never going to happen. You're just going to be pregnant forever. On the flip side, though, maybe you learn that you are already dilated two to three centimeters and you're only like 37 weeks. This could also create unnecessary anxiety, leading you to believe that your labor is going to start any minute or any day when in reality, you could remain two to three centimeters for another few weeks or a few days or, you know, until you go into labor. Bottom line is, yes, your cervix is an indicator of how prepped your body is for labor. But guess what? Your cervix can change from zero to 10 centimeters within hours, like within minutes, okay? Trust me, I see it all the time. So should you decide to have a routine cervical exam during your pregnancy, try not to get hung up on the number. Now, when do cervical checks start if we are gonna do them during pregnancy? Now that we've covered whether or not cervical checks are necessary, let's get into when they might be necessary and when you can expect to receive one. So a lot of providers will offer a routine cervical check around 36, 37 weeks, usually 37 weeks, but a cervical check might also be necessary if it's going to change your plan of care. What do you mean by that, Liesl? Well, this is what I mean by it. So let's say you are going to be induced. Let's say you present to the hospital and you think you are in labor. Let's say you're having contractions and you aren't full term. Or let's say your baby's heart rate is unstable during labor. 
in all four of those scenarios, if I do a cervical check, I'm going to be changing your plan of care based on what the cervical check is. So let's do the you're having contractions and you aren't full term, okay? If I do a cervical check and you're not dilated at all, I'm going to say, okay, great. The plan of care is to just monitor these contractions and this, that, and the other, okay? If I do a cervical check and you are dilated and you're preterm, the plan of care is going to be, hey, let's stay in the hospital and let's keep monitoring this, but we need to do this, 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 and the other. You see how the cervical check that we did based on those preterm contractions really did determine kind of what your plan of care was going to be like moving forward. And this is not a whole list, okay? But instead, it's my way of showing you how valuable sometimes cervical checks can be when they are used appropriately. And remember, if you are like me and your curiosity has gotten the best of you, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with having a routine cervical check done during your pregnancy. Just make sure you consent to it. You might be wondering now, can I ask for a cervical check, (laughs) Liesl? You can definitely ask your provider for a cervical check. I will mention that they are probably going to ask you why. So unless you have a really good reason, they might not be willing. And when I say a good reason, I mean like, You might be having contractions, you might be having cramps or back pain, you might be having a little bit of bloody show. But yeah, unless you are before 36, 37 weeks and you're asking for a cervical exam without really having any other reason than just being curious, your provider is probably not going to say it's a good idea, but you never know. You can ask. I would say there's really no reason to check your cervix before 36, 37 weeks unless you are obviously having some symptoms. Now, what about asking for a cervical check during labor? If you're in labor and you want a cervical check, it's a little bit different, okay? Your birth team will likely be more forthcoming with cervical checks during labor because it's how we measure your progression. But also, most of the time, this is how my hospital is and my the practices that I work with, we try not to do them. We try not to check people all the time because it can lead to infection. This is not common, okay? Just because you have a, you know, a lot of cervical checks during labor doesn't mean that you're absolutely going to have an infection. But especially if your water's broken, we are really, really trying to limit the number of cervical checks. Sterile gloves should be worn every single time one is performed to decrease your risk of infection. But generally speaking, most providers like to stick to the same only perform them if it's going to change the plan of care rule. For example, okay, here's a good one that we haven't talked about. I frequently have patients request a cervical exam during labor because they are trying to decide their next steps for pain management. They say, I am really, really hurting. I want to know if I am three centimeters or if I am eight centimeters. That would be an indication to have a cervical check because that would change your plan of care. If you are One, if you are three centimeters, you might say, "Mm, I think I want to go this route. If you're eight centimeters, you might say, "Mm, actually, I can do this. Let's just keep going. And I'm, you know, we're almost done. (laughs) Now, let's talk about some of the pros and cons of cervical checks during pregnancy. Pros, obviously, they will fill your curiosity bug if you are curious. For me personally, knowing how dilated I was, it didn't make me anxious. And I think that definitely counts for something. Obviously, if you're different, then it's a different story. Number two, they can determine your Bishop score and give you an idea of when labor might begin. And then number three, they can help determine the appropriate course of action for your induction and whether or not you want to proceed even with an induction. 
Some of the cons obviously are number one, that they're uncomfortable. Number two, they actually might induce unnecessary anxiety or make you feel discouraged. And then number three, highly unlikely, but there is a small chance that your provider might accidentally break your water during a cervical check. That happens. It actually happened to my good friend who also works for Mommy Labor Nurse, who's probably listening to this right now because she listens to all the podcast episodes, make sure that they sound okay. But she got her cervix checked. It was her first baby and her provider popped her bag of water and then she had a baby a few hours later. (laughs) Are you interested in the possibility of an unmedicated birth? Make sure you grab my totally free natural birth prep pack. It's full of free printable resources to help you start preparing for your even better birth. Inside the pack, you'll get access to our super popular hospital bag checklist so that you know your hospital bag is stocked with everything you need for the big day. You'll also get our traditional and visual birth plan templates to help you think through all the questions related to your birth and gain the sense of control you deserve. You'll get exclusive MLN birth affirmation cards, one of my favorite ways to tap into that mental strength during natural birth. And finally, you'll get a third trimester to-do list to feel completely at ease heading into labor, knowing you've checked every box. To grab all of this for free, simply head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash natural pack. That's mommylabornurse.com slash natural pack to access your free natural birth prep pack today. Moving on to cervical checks versus membrane sweeps. Okay, there is a difference and we've talked extensively about what a cervical check is, but how does it differ from a membrane sweep? Because you do do a cervical check while you're doing a membrane sweep. A membrane sweep involves your provider sweeping their gloved finger between the thin membrane of your amniotic sac. Anytime we talk about membrane, we're talking about your bag of water. So they are taking their finger and kind of just sweeping underneath that membrane sac that's kind of stuck a little bit to your cervix. And this sweeping motion helps to really separate that amniotic sac from your cervix, and this in turn can release prostaglandins, which can trigger your uterus to begin contracting. In order for your provider to strip your membranes, they have to do a cervical exam to see how dilated you are, and unfortunately, they won't be able to do a sweep if you aren't at least one centimeter dilated because they have to get one finger through your cervix to be able to even do that sweep. And aside from being at least one centimeter dilated, there also might be a weak requirement before your provider will say, you know, okay, let's do a membrane sweep. The providers that I personally work with won't strip your membranes until you're at least 39 weeks pregnant, but I have heard other providers that will do them a little bit earlier. And fair warning, membrane sweeps don't always work, but if you are nearing the end of your pregnancy and want to try and avoid a medical induction, it might be worth it to try and kind of help kickstart your labor. So what can you expect after you have a membrane sweep? Your cervix is extremely vascular, and that means that it has a lot of blood vessels. There's a lot of blood going to your cervix. So it can be normal for you to experience some light bleeding during and after the membrane sweep. You also might feel kind of crampy. You might have some lower back discomfort, and you might start to have some mild contractions pretty soon. Otherwise, you should feel pretty normal afterwards, or at least until it potentially works, which then you'll start to have contractions and be going into labor. 
If you experience a lot of bleeding, though, or if you are in severe pain after your membrane sweep, immediately notify your provider and go to the hospital to be evaluated. We don't want that to be going on at all. Now, let's go over a few tips. While it doesn't take long to perform one, a lot of women find a membrane sweep to be pretty uncomfortable. I definitely think it's good to be aware, but keep in mind, you don't have to get a membrane sweep, so feel free to decline it if the potential discomfort is something that concerns you. You don't even want to go down that road. If you do, though, here are some tips. Number one, empty your bladder. A full or even a semi-full bladder can make it more uncomfortable. So save yourself the trouble. Just empty your bladder literally right before. Like you might be at your provider's office and go to the bathroom, then go into the room and you're talking with your provider for a few minutes and then they do a cervical check and they say, do you want me to strip your membranes? And you might want to hop up and literally go and empty your bladder and then come back. Another tip is obviously take some deep breaths and relax. Just like relaxation and deep breathing is a good tip just for plain old cervical exams, the more you can breathe, the more you can relax during a membrane sweep, the more effective it possibly can be and the quicker, you know, it can be over. And then don't forget about the wiggling of the toes trick, okay? Sometimes you just need to wiggle your toes a little bit to distract you to get (laughs) that membrane sweep over with. So yeah, breathe, relax, wiggle your toes to distract yourself, and beforehand, go and empty your bladder really quick. As I mentioned previously, if your membrane sweep is successful at inducing your labor, you should go into labor within 48 hours. And according to this study that I'm looking at, I will link it in the show notes page, it showed that 90% of those who had a membrane sweep gave birth by 41 weeks compared to 75% who did not have it done. And that's a pretty good success rate if you ask me. They're not just saying 90% of these people went into labor within 48 hours. They're just saying, oh, if you got a membrane sweep at any point in your pregnancy, then you have a 90% chance of going into labor before 41 weeks. Now, what are some of the signs of a successful membrane sweep? Obviously, if you go into labor, duh, if you start having contractions, but sometimes people just break their water on their own. All of a sudden, you break your water. It might not be right after you get your membrane sweep, but maybe a few hours later, yeah, you're having some of those prostaglandins do their work (laughs) down there, and it might just make your body spontaneously break your water. Sometimes this definitely happened to me. Did it happen the second time? I know it happened the first time. I had a membrane sweep and I lost my mucus plug as a result. And I didn't go into labor after that, but that is a sign that it was successful. So let's say that you haven't lost your mucus plug and you have a membrane sweep and then you lose your mucus plug. That's a really good sign that your body reacted really, really well to that membrane sweep. Now, what do you do after you have a membrane sweep? So there's not much that you like have to do after you get one, but the biggest thing to make sure is that your hospital bags are packed because, hey, you might go into labor in the next two days. And it would also be a good idea, obviously, to tie up any loose ends around the house, you know, make sure you're not in the middle of painting your nursery and then you get a membrane sweep and then your nursery's half painted or something. Bottom line, a membrane sweep is one of the many things that can be utilized to help labor begin, help your body get the idea that labor is about to start. 
But did you know that there are actually a ton of other things that you can try to naturally induce labor? There are. I've done episodes previously talking about induction methods. The mile circuit is a big one that people love. Nipple stimulation, curb walking. So yeah, if you have a membrane sweep and it is not effective, there are definitely some other things that you can have in your bag of labor tricks to hopefully try and get your body to get the idea that it is time to have this baby. But as always, remember that your body is not going to go into labor until your body is ready to go into labor. So if you are like 38 or 39 weeks and your cervix really isn't dilated at all, you haven't been having any contractions, and let's say you do the mild circuit or you, I don't know, eat a bunch of pineapple or something, that's probably not going to magically make you go into labor. It might help to kickstart some things. You might start to have some contractions or you might start to have some cramping. Your cervix might start to change. But really, the bottom line is nothing is really going to throw you into labor unless you hooked yourself up to some Pitocin. All of these things will only work if your body is like there. These things are just kind of throwing you over the edge, okay? We're not getting you up the mountain. A membrane sweep is just kind of pushing you over and your body's doing all the rest of the work. All right, that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. I did a super deep dive into these cervical checks and membrane sweeps. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Next week on the podcast, I'm doing an Ask Me Anything style episode. Remember a few weeks ago, I said, hey, I have this hotline. If you want to call in, ask me a question, you might be able to hear yourself on the podcast and I will answer it for you. Well, I'm going to do another episode just like that. And again, if you still want to call, and ask a question. The number to call is 919-213-8719. Just leave me a voice message. Say, hey, this is so-and-so. This is my question. And I might answer it here on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. All right. I will see you guys next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver.